You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos, part of the Stake in the Plains content network and the Dave Campbell's Republic of Football podcast feed. Just a couple of casino caballeros talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro live from the Cardinal Sports Center studio. Ooh, welcome to the Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson live from the Cardinal Sports Center studio. If you need to gear up for the presumed blackout against Kansas State next weekend, you can do so at Cardinals. Get you a black t-shirt with Texas Tech on it. Get you a black gambling gauchos t-shirt. Wear that to the game. As long as it's black, wear it to the game. It's going to be a great time, especially after a win. Coming off the win over Baylor, you can go to Cardinals live and in person right outside the loop on Slide Road or... Or online, mycardinalsports.com. You know what else is black? Those quarter zips, Kyle. The quarter zips are black. Get you a quarter zip for the uh, for the Kansas State game. I am predicting now that my game day outfit will be black gambling gauchos quarter zip. Maybe black gambling gauchos hat. That's a lot of gauchos gear. Usually I do one gauchos piece, one tech piece, but we'll see. Got you a black hat. You can get you a black Texas Tech hat at Cardinals. That's right. I think I already own like three black Texas Tech hats from Cardinals, but maybe I need another. Uh, right off the bat, we've got two questions here on the comment section here on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. Uh, what should Big Hen get for dinner? You have any thoughts on Big Hen's dinner? Big Hen is kind of like the opposite of the uh, Chick-fil-A cows. They're trying to encourage people to not eat beef. I feel like I can't recommend chicken for Big Hen. So maybe some pork chops or a ground beef dish if he wants to do spaghetti or tacos or something. Uh, and then should have worn a Heinz ketchup shirt last night against Waco. How, how was the yellow in person? We'll, we'll talk more about the atmosphere and everything else. But those yellow jerseys, what, what was the feeling there? They were hideous. It, the problem is their school colors are green and gold, which is a good color combo in my opinion, but they wear like cheese whiz yellow. I mean, it's terrible. Yeah. And they had, they, I didn't, I wasn't a huge fan of like the chrome gold either. It was like, just wear your RG three gold and dark green. Like that's a good color combo. I was thinking that last night. If, if I graduated from Baylor in 2010, and I had to sit through this crap that they put on the field now, color-wise. I, I couldn't handle it. it. It's The Baylor line shirts are terrible. The, the, the bright, bright yellow is just a terrible school color in college. And I guess the Baylor line, you know, that's tradition, and it pops. Like, their student section is very visible on TV. But the other thing that I thought was hilarious was Baylor announces all – they have eight home games. They announce all the uniforms in advance – and they scheme like, okay, the white out, the green out, the yellow out, the stripe out, whatever. This was their gold out. And like, I mean, people were wearing gold because it's a school color, but not any more than what you would normally expect if there was no coordinated color scheme. It was like nobody got the memo. There was just as much green or like, oh, I'm wearing a black jacket because it's kind of chilly. Like you would have never guessed other than the student section that it was a, a gold out. Big Hen says he's made both a ground beef dish and pork chops today on the Blackstone. 
So you're right in the wheelhouse there. I'm I'm vibing with Big Hen. That's what you know. Best friends are on the same wavelength like that. So it's just how it is. I'm about to eat a pork chop too. If the Raiders can pull it out. Yeah the uh, the high today was only in the I don't know 80s, and so to stay warm, we're having chicken tortilla soup for dinner. Cole will be happy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, do the students always wear gold? Yes, they always yeah. wear the yellow shirts. The, it, yeah. I think it'd be cool if the tech students always wore red, but I always want everyone to wear red at the game. That's just See, different. Some, some people gripe about that when there's a blackout and the saddle tramps are just this huge red block. And I kind of get it. It's a semi-legitimate gripe. Like, surely they have a black polo they can wear. Uh, maybe, maybe not. They've worn red for 50 years. We're going to keep wearing red. All right. We're just kind of chit-chatting here. We got things to do. Uh, what a game last night. We talked about the rest of the Big 12 on Gauchos After Dark. You can find that on the Twitter feed, at Gambling Gauchos. Shout out to Barnett, Howard, and Williams. Um, but the most dominant Big 12 win this week was Texas Tech over Baylor. And it was great to see. Off the top of my dome, I think three teams in the Big 12 have a road win by 25 points or more. Texas, Oklahoma, and Texas Tech. Just the top three in the Big 12, man. The top three big dogs. Was the was the Oklahoma-Iowa State game, was that in Ames? No, that was in Norman. Okay, then maybe it's just Texas and Texas Tech, uh, both over Baylor, by the way. So maybe that maybe that's actually the – the nugget there, not that Texas and Texas Tech are so great, but Baylor can't defend their home turf. How was the home turf? Uh, you almost got in a fight. If you want to go over that again, you can, or you can just direct people to the Gauchos after dark where you told the story. Yeah, um, we, how was the atmosphere? Yeah, I would say, like most places, you know, 90% of the fans you run into are cool. Uh, we ran into some that wanted to fight us for, like, really just wanted to stand there and crack a beer with them. I thought it was kind of crazy and like it, it's a rivalry, you know, it's, it's an in-state rivalry. And like, I would kind of get that if it was like Texas OU or like the iron bowl, like maybe you're not so friendly to the opposing fans. There's like these two 50 something year old guys that like, didn't want us to have a beer. And, and we were with a Baylor fan. Like that's the funny part. It's like we walked up as kind of like a mixed group and like, you know, nothing was said or it, we were just like wearing tech gear and they, like we're physically blocking us from accessing their tailgate. It was hilarious. Um, went back after the game to see if they enjoyed it and uh, all their stuff was packed up and gone. So they must've been part of the wave that left in the third quarter. I will say that was my first game at McLean stadium. I had been before, but not during a game. Baylor does such a good job of making a stadium that seats 45,000 people look like it's twice as big as Texas Tech's. Because they build it so tall and you just like break off the sections into like upper deck, upper deck. And there's really not that many people there, but it looks big on TV. Um, I would say it was not like an energetic or raucous atmosphere. Very tame, but a a nice facility. Like I, I really do like their stadium and it's cool, like being right by the river there. But yeah, not a very like loud or like tough place to play. It's a nice stadium, but not a tough place to play. Fair enough. So it's uh, 
it didn't seem like a tough place to play last night, though. I will say last year, the Jones didn't seem like a tough place to play for Baylor. Um, that seemingly was on the bulletin board all summer, all off season. Um, do you think that that game, I asked you this last week after the Houston game, is that offensive game plan rec- replicatable? Now you've done it kind of twice. Is it replicatable against Kansas State? Is it replicatable against BYU on the road? Like, is this just the team we are now? Taj Brooks is going to run for 40, 40 times a game and kind of see what else can happen? I'll answer it this way. If, if it's not replicatable on a game-to-game basis, week in and week out, there's nothing you could do instead that would be more likely to succeed. And so I think you still – if this doesn't work one week, you still go down swinging with it because I think, you know, for all my griping and and whining on here that we don't have an identity, I think we have one now. I wish we had discovered it a little bit sooner, but we have it now. And so do what works like why on earth at this point, would you go back and say, okay, we've got four straight games with our lead back having a hundred plus rush yards. And, you know, we've got a quarterback that might be still nursing a, a shoulder injury. Like why would we game plan to, okay, game script, first eight plays, we're going to throw it six times. Why on earth would we go back now? So I say, stick with it. I, I can't guarantee it will work every single week, but I don't think there's something else you could do that, that it's more likely to succeed either. Agreed. Uh, Oliver says, went to McLean for the first time with the going band, and people kept telling us how loud we were. Love to make McLean into a semi-home game. Joey also tweeted about that today, about how the going band was so awesome. Did you feel the the going band power when you were there? Yeah, I was on the opposite side of the stadium. Like, they were in one end zone. I was in the other end zone. Uh, but, yeah, the the – Section designated for tech and the band was totally full. It was really loud. Um, it was on our sideline, which I thought was cool. Um, I guess that's sort of a double-edged sword. Like you put it on the Baylor sideline to get them further away from the tech crowd. There's some gamesmanship there, but then also they can maybe make things louder on your sideline, which you don't want. But but yeah, like I thought, I would say that the stadium was 85% full. You know, it wasn't like a full-on sellout, but it was mostly full. There wasn't like a ton of empty seats that I noticed. And I would say we had maybe 15 to 20% of the fans there. So not like a not a full-on takeover like we've seen at some basketball games or stuff like that. But we had a good presence and they were loud. Um, I think that's just like part of each fan base's culture. Like Baylor, I'm not saying this is like a bad thing, but they have a lot of kind of like older fans that just don't clap or scream or anything like they're just kind of there to observe the football game and that's fine and then they kind of get annoyed with you if you if your team gets a fourth down stop or scores a touchdown and they kind of act like you're being offensive just by cheering for your team like not saying anything about the other team not saying anything vulgar Uh, this guy tried to like wave us off when we were celebrating after a touchdown we're like is this your first time watching a football game like this is this is how it goes um but again, like 90% of them were really cool, really nice. You know, we were at the bars before the game and walking out of the stadium, no issues or anything. So overall, nothing bad to say about Baylor fans. All right, let's get into the box score here. First drive for Texas Tech, an 11 play, 70 plus yard masterpiece. Taj, Cameron Valdez, Baron Morton caps it off with a back shoulder throw to Coy Aiken. Uh, just a masterful start to the game. Great game script. And the second straight week, you start off with a touchdown on your opening drive. We had three 
grown ass man drives in this game. And this was the first one. Um, I think a lot of our road struggles under McGuire kind of stem from slow starts. Like even TCU last year, I think by drive two or three, you kind of figured it out and scored your first touchdown. But the first drive was a disaster. It was like almost interception, three and out, punt the ball. And uh, Darius Davis houses it. It was like 7-0 before you can blink. But this wasn't that. Like we clearly had a good game plan, a good game script. Uh, I was kind of nervous to get the ball first. I like to defer. But we lost a coin toss, and I was like, well, okay, we're going to get the ball first and just kind of dreading, like, going three and out or whatever. And instead, we just shoved a healthy dose of Taj Brooks right down their throat and passed when we needed to. Like, okay, third and five. Now we'll flip it out to Miles Price. And then I think third and – I don't know if it was third and goal or third and some yards to gain, and we throw another beautiful back shoulder to Aiken. This time he comes down with it. thought it was perfect. It was like, we're going to run. We're going to make you stop it. And then when they kind of semi-stop it and put us in passing downs, we executed those. And 7-0 out of the gates like that on the road, I thought was huge. Like, I I would have not expected that to happen. And I thought that was kind of a moment that demonstrates we're growing up a little bit. We're taking the next step. So I, I loved seeing us come out of the gates like that. With a fourth down conversion in the middle of it, um, that will be something we talk about moving forward here, especially on the next drive where Baylor – Goes seven plays, 33 yards. And uh, on fourth and one, they have a pass incomplete to the running back, Dominic Richardson. After a sack, just a bunch of trouble there for Baylor on their opening drive. They did not look cohesive. Uh, Richard Reese, a couple of runs. And that was after a couple of complete passes to get him down to the to midfield. Um. Turnover on downs early for Baylor, which seemingly was uh, a common occurrence for Baylor that game. Yeah, they had a screen pass go for about 25 yards later in the game. They had the 71-yard touchdown on – I don't know if I would call it a busted coverage or like a bad angle from Rabbit. Besides those two plays, the only thing they did that worked was kind of intermediate pass game, you know, 8 to 12, 10 to 15 yards. And – we, we said it all week, like, hey, their red zone offense is terrible. Let them nickel and dime you down the field and then make them earn some points. Don't give up the big play. And so I think you kind of played into that. I said, you know, y'all are going to have to score in seven, eight, nine, ten plays in order to beat us. And that's just not something that Baylor has been good at executing. And so, yeah, it was a common theme. You had some big third down and fourth down stops. This was the first one of the game. And, uh, again, felt like you had all the momentum out of the gates and – I think there's been a semi-trend with Texas Tech that when you finally have one side of the ball playing well is when the other side kind of falls off and then vice versa. So it's good to see, you know, that old kind of cliche, complimentary football, that your offense executes really well out of the gate and then your defense executes really well out of the gate at the same time. So that was really nice to see. Yeah, this is the first time you've seen that on the road in the McGuire era. Uh, You saw it last year, I would say West Virginia. And then in the bowl game, obviously, those are probably your three most complete games under Joey McGuire, two of them, with Baron Morton at quarterback. Uh, Coincidence? Probably so. Uh, Let's keep going here. Turnover on downs. You punt it right back. They punt it back to you. 18 yards total between the two offenses. And then you have another touchdown drive 
heavy dose of Taj Brooks, his longest of the drive, 24 yards, ends on a picture-perfect, what Ryan Leaf would call an air raid ball to Baylor Cup, sorry, Raider Cup, uh, in the corner of the end zone. Raider Cup, I love that. Uh, for those who didn't see after the game, I guess in a post-game press conference interview, McGuire said that this week they were calling Baylor Cup Raider Cup during Baylor game week. So um, what I love to see is earlier in that drive, it was third and four. And until about, I don't know, eight days ago, I would have guessed on like 95% of third and fours that we're going to throw the ball. And said, we run it and it's successful. And I, I said that to you earlier when I was venting after one of those losses that like, clearly we're not a team that believes we can, push the defensive line for three yards to run it when we need to. And I think the thinking on that has shifted. Clearly it has because it was third and four. The drive is on the line and we're like, yeah, we're going to run it. And we do. And it's successful. What I also love, not just the execution of that throw to cup. I thought the ball was placed really well. The defensive back probably could have made a play on it. He maybe could have put it like further on his outside shoulder, but six points is six points. But Morton checked out of something into that play. And I think McGuire even confirmed that he said, yeah, we, we changed the play at the line. Um, so that that was supposed to be part of the – not knock on Morton, but the reason why Shuck was starting was he's so much older, he's so much more experienced. He knows the offense better. He's going to get us into the right looks. And, you know, the younger guys might be turnover prone. And Morton, for the most part, has protected the ball. And at least in that moment, a big moment, checks us into the right play, makes the throw. And so, like, I'm not seeing the downside of playing the younger quarterback yet. Maybe that will rear its ugly head later in the season. I hope it doesn't. But I thought that was kind of a big boy moment for a sophomore making his, I don't know, fifth or sixth career start to go, you know what, I got to look here. I'm going to use my liberty at the line of scrimmage to call an audible and get us into a play that ultimately goes for six. So I, I thought that was big. Absolutely. By the way, check into the Rangers game. Josh Young double, top of the ninth. No outs. Jungle Cat. Uh, so it's 14 to 0 here on this uh, drive chart. Then you have another three and out, gained one yard, one yard for Baylor. Uh, then you give it right back on a fumble. Taj Brooks, Taj Brooks, Taj Brooks. This was just a perfect hit. Uh, I, I don't fault Taj Brooks on this fumble whatsoever. I mean, it was a fumble. It was Taj Brooks' fault, technically, but that was just kind of a fluke hit right on the ball with the helmet right there. Yeah, it didn't look like he had bad um, like ball security or anything. Sometimes you just get a hat on the ball, and it happens. It was funny, though, when that happened, I was sitting with our friend Jonesy, a, a parlay picador, and I was like, I can't remember Taj ever fumbling before. Like, this year, last year, I'm sure that wasn't his first career fumble. I'm just like blanking on when it has happened before. He had one, I think, against Kansas State last year, now that I think on it. But anyway, I was like, it, the thought hadn't crossed my mind that it was a possibility that he could fumble the ball. Like that, That's how highly I think of him. It was like almost a borderline shocking moment. I was like, oh, damn, we just turned the ball over by running it. Like I, I didn't think that was a possibility. And the crappy part is like he had the first down too. You know, we were about to move the chains and keep that drive going in Baylor territory. Just a good play by Baylor. I think Todd was able to shake it off based on how we played the rest of the evening. Um, so 
in the end, not a huge deal, kind of deflating in the moment, but at least we were committed to the run. Like I've said that a million times on here. I just want to see a drive where we run it three or four times in a row, see what happens. It didn't go well for you on that set of downs, but I'm just thrilled that we're open to doing that. The rest of the first half was a couple of punts, another fumble, a sack fumble from Steve Linton on Blake Shapin. Um, I don't think you scored on that possession, but coming back, you do get a field goal after they do. Ends the half 17 to 3. It felt like 31 to 0, but it was 17 to 3 at half. Up front, you absolutely dominated the first half. Um, without the Taj Brooks fumble, you probably score again. It, it just it felt like utter domination. I, I don't know if that's hyperbole or not, but it really did feel like you just controlled the line of scrimmage, controlled everything. You know, they hadn't had any big plays yet. So, to me, utter domination in the first half, Texas Tech over Baylor, only 17-3. to I would agree. I mean, they, they got into the red zone once, but you held them to three points, I think. Um, let me double-check that. They might have – yeah, I think they only got into the red zone that one time. All nitpick here, they did hit two big wheel routes. The first one was to Dabney. The second one – I can't remember if it was to Baldwin or somebody else. Maybe it was neighbors. But both of them, it looked like they had Pierre isolated in coverage against a guy that he's maybe mismatched against. Against a team like Kansas State that has a really good tight end and and Ben Sennett and that throws to their backs a lot. That's something we're going to have to, I think, work out in practice this week. Or else we could find ourselves vulnerable to similar schemes on Saturday. Uh, But, yeah, what I loved was it wasn't just kind of uh, focused in on one defensive player is like everybody's making plays. I thought Lux was really physical. He broke up a couple passes. Might have gotten away with P.I. on two separate occasions, but, you know, that's a judgment call, and the refs didn't call it. Yeah. Uh, Rashad Williams had a pass breakup on fourth down. The, the youth on the defense, like Ben Roberts was your leading tackler again. Uh, Charles Esters is in the backfield. Duda Banks is in the backfield. Steve Linton, not a young guy, but he finally – kind of burst onto the scene. And so it was like, hey, we've got guys everywhere on defense that are making plays. Like this isn't just one position group or one guy kind of dominating his matchup. And to me, that's a good sign. Like that tells me you've got 11 on 11 covered there. And it really doesn't matter what they do. We've, we're sort of one step ahead, barring a couple of those big intermediate plays that, that Baylor did hit on. But yeah, 17 to three and, you know, feeling like, okay, we turned the ball over once in Baylor territory. You know, we could probably – have an even bigger lead right now and settling for a field goal. But yeah, I thought it was exactly what I wanted to see from the defense. Cause I didn't think Baylor had a, a super capable offense. I hedged a little bit by noting that they were a lot better with shaping than they were when, when uh, Sawyer Robertson was filling in due to injury. Uh, but yeah, like you stuff the run and I felt like anything that happened after that was, you know, okay, let them get whatever. But if you're stopping the run, to that extent, you know, get him given up two yards per carry or whatever, everything else is going to fall into place for you. And it was. Uh, two plays I wanted to talk about the Dram Bradley pass interference. Was that pass interference in your eyes? I think so. I think if it had just been hand fighting, but it looked like he kind of did the shot. Yeah, like grab him. I think we call that like the dish rag or yeah. something. But um, he kind of like pulled him, used his momentum against him, pulled him forward. 
And uh, so on, on rewatch, I thought yeah. it's probably an okay call. I, I feel like the guy slipped, but there was a pretty good pull. Yeah. So I, I understood the call. I didn't agree with it. I think had it just been a hand fighting, it would have been fine, but it looked like he kind of pulled him forward to the ground. Yeah. Uh, then the, the Cameron Valdez after the Xavier White fourth down opportunity. I, I don't remember what drive this was in. Sorry, the Xavier White third down. Is that the first half or was that later in the game? Let me look here. I've got it in my notes. Um, it was in the first uh, – it was it was the last drive of the first half. That's what um, I thought. Ended on the field goal. Oh, before the field goal, yeah. Um, so we, we got the ball back. He kicked the field goal on a on an additional drive. But second to last drive of the first half. Yeah. I So first off, Xavier White caught the ball past the sticks with forward progress. It should have been a first down. Yes, but you tempoed. They rule it fourth and one. I hated tempo. It's like, you know, you have all your timeouts left or at least two of them. And if you tempo, it's one of those deals. If it works, if you tempo them and you catch them out of position, you convert, great. But if you tempo fourth and one, when like they haven't stuffed you all night, just go slow, like sub out Valdez for Taj, bring an extra tight end. And I don't remember what personnel we had. It was like, hey, they haven't stuffed you for less than a yard, like pretty much all night. And so I, I just – as it was happening, I was like, I don't like tempo here. And then, you know, kind of worst case scenario came to fruition. So anyway, I referenced a couple of PI calls on Lux that they missed. They missed that. We'll we'll call it even Stevens, but yeah. I think Xavier White got the first down. So did I. And and I I thought it was weird. You just kind of forced tempo in that. You you didn't really go tempo a ton in the game, but in that moment it just felt weird to me. I I know they like to do that. We want to go fast. I remember all of the the sayings and stuff we heard all offseason, but I didn't like it there just because you probably could have drawn a review out of that if you just slowed down. Um, though I was surprised. The Baylor's off, the defensive line seemed like it was standing around, so I thought you caught him off guard. Uh, but Cameron did, did not get the first down. Well, he got it, and then they reviewed it and said he didn't get it, which yeah. I didn't think he did. Again, just sub out. If you're worried about the slow sub and, you know, Baylor running 25 seconds off the clock, then use one of your timeouts. Yeah. Uh, if, if you need to draw up something more creative than handing it off to Taj on fourth one, which I don't think you do. But go look at the picture we tweeted on, what is this, Sunday afternoon of a play where where Taj hits the line of scrimmage. He's in a mosh pit with like 15 guys from both Tech and Baylor. There's no visible path forward for him, and he gets 11 yards on that carry. So, like, fourth and one, just – even if everybody knows what you're going to do, just do it. Yeah. I just got this text a little bit off topic. Patrick Mahomes has now defeated every team in the NFL except the Chiefs, including uh, regular season and playoffs. He's the 10th different starting quarterback to defeat 31 different NFL franchises and the first to do it before the age of 30. And he's, wow. he's only like, what, 28-ish? Yeah. I think that's right. 27, 20. He might turn 28 this year. So room to spare. And he's never going to beat the Chiefs unless he you know pulls a Tom Brady at the end of his career. He's going to go to the Cowboys at the end. You think so? Yeah, I hope so. I think he's actually a future Viking, unfortunately. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, 
Rangers update. Josh Young did score. I don't know how. Um, it is the bottom of the ninth inning, 11 to 5, one out. Let's go to the second half. Uh, first drive in the second half, turnover on downs for Baylor. And it was just ugly. <laughs> I mean, ugly. And then it was a it was a Blake Shapin tush push that couldn't get anything going. I don't even think he got the snap. I think this is the one where he fumbled the snap. Just an absolute domination. And again, Texas Tech's defense, except for about three plays, looked really, really good. Yeah, that was one of the most stuffed quarterback sneak attempts I've ever seen. And part of it was because he mishandled the snap. Um, but yeah, we talk all all the time, just do the tush push or the the brotherly shove. Have you seen that? Yeah, that's what they're calling it now. You know, that's like a 99% success rate on fourth and one, and you were able to stop it. And Tony Bradford was, I think he might have aided in the bobbled snap there. So we played that really well. And another just kind of demoralizing play for Baylor. Um, they had both demoralizing plays and demoralizing series. They had, they had an eight-play drive and two 10-play drives that combined on those three drives, they got zero points. Beautiful. And again, that's exactly like where you want them. Uh, let them move the ball up and down the field. They're not bad in terms of yardage when you look at all these stats, but they just can't score points. And that was another one of those moments. It's like, okay, they can maybe kind of claw back in this if they can move the sticks, punch it in on this drive, and instead they're getting stuffed on fourth and one. And you love to see it as a Tech fan. Yeah. All right, what do you do after a turnover, Kyle? You throw it down the field. Uh, didn't work. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was really Morton's only bad throw of the night. Um, not a terrible read. I mean, it's basically one-on-one. I think he just underthrew it. You know, he could have put that in a spot where, worst-case scenario, it sails out of bounds or maybe gives Aiken a, or Aiken a chance to catch it. So that kind of sucked. You know, one play drive and INT. It's the second time we've done that this year. We did it against Oregon as well. Um, again, feels a little bit unnecessary like as well as you're running it just get the ball back start winding the clock by running it on first down and then go from there you know the shot will still be down second down if you if you really want to take it um so i felt like we were kind of screwing around a little bit and it's just the battered tech fan in me like okay you know here comes the collapse here comes the momentum shift and so i wish you could have capitalized a a little bit better with your first possession of the second half ultimately not a big deal but maybe say maybe something they look at going forward on those change of possessions, like kind of how they yeah. strategize the first play call out of the gates after those. You talked about battered tech fan syndrome. I was absolutely feeling it. It was it it, it was gonna be a drive for Baylor. I just knew it. And this is the 10 play drive you were talking about where they didn't get anything in the end zone. A 10-play turnover on downs with a fourth and six stop after they just absolutely marched it down the field. And third third and six, fourth and six were the only two bad plays on the drive, and they couldn't get anything going. This is the game. Then you had a 13-play touchdown drive to ice it. I thought it was over after that. Yeah, this is grown-ass man drive number two. Yeah. And – to rewind a little bit within the drive, it's third and five. 
and you motion you motion a bunch of guys down to the bottom of the formation. You have like I think it was an empty set, and so you've got four receivers in that diamond formation down at the bottom, and Aiken is all alone. Um, a guy who just caught his first career touchdown pass earlier in the game. He's on one-on-one coverage. I think like unless you're going to go quarterback draw, the ball pretty much has to go there. He runs a five-yard slant. We throw it pretty low. He makes a good catch. Like th- that's a tough throw. And, it's an underrated throw and catch in terms of the difficulty because the timing has to be great. If you put that behind him at all, it's you know it has no chance. And you've got to get it to him early enough before he kind of runs the route into the heart of the defense. We convert that. If we don't, it's three and out, and like yeah, you're letting Baylor hang in it, and instead you parlay that into a 13 play, 85 yard drive that takes up six and a half minutes off the clock to make it 24 to three, I think. And I don't think the game's totally out of hand yet, based on how Baylor responds. But after you do that, you're like, okay, we're back. Like, not going to be a second half drop off. Um, feeling really good at that point based on Baylor's inability to move the ball. It's like, okay, it's hard to see them scoring three times without us scoring again. Like you never say never. I wasn't ready to say game over like curtains, but it felt like you were 90% of the way home. Yeah. And it ended on a beautiful play action pass that we've been begging for, for Baylor cup play action to the tight end. It's always open. We dude, I, it was like my, um, not my magnum opus because I'm not calling plays or running plays, but just like what I'm envisioning in my head. This is like a dream come true. So it's – I don't remember the down and distance even. doesn't really matter. But Baylor has eight dudes in the box. They've got like five down linemen, three linebackers all crowding the box. All eight of them are coming. Yeah. Why are they coming? Because you give them the, uh, the tackle and guard double pull look, the, the counter look that you've run all game long with tremendous success, by the way. You suck in eight guys to play the run, and nobody's covering Baylor Cup, Raider Cup, excuse me. And at that point, they're just playing catch. And it, they might as well be throwing on air, like doing a drill. He's wide open. And that's what we've been saying all along. Like, you're not going to get eight guys to suck up into the box to play the run like that unless you successfully run the ball enough times earlier in the game. It's like this is what we've been begging and pleading for. Yes. It was 10 out of 10, no notes, chefs, kisses, whatever you want to say. It was just perfect. And that's why you like, so, so a comment was made by the color commentary guys that like, you don't lose games on Saturday. You lose them on Tuesday and Wednesday in preparation. That play wasn't successful because of that play. It was successful because you ran it 35 times before that. Um, I'm probably exaggerating a little bit, but like that play is open because of what you did in the first quarter, the second quarter, the third quarter, it all led up to that. And that's what we've been clamoring for all season. So I, Thought that was perfect play calling, perfect execution. It's what we've been waiting for. I, I was thrilled. Yeah. Uh, you alluded to it. The next drive, a 76-yard touchdown on what should have been a three and out. Uh, I've, I've, I think I know what happened here. I think the two guys up close to Monterey Baldwin collapsed on the five-yard route. Nobody went with Baldwin. And then Rabbit has to come from his deep zone to come over there, and he just has no chance. Uh, and Baldwin, newsflash, is fast. He is. That he's exactly the profile of guy that. You okay? Three run home run. What's the score now? Eleven to eight. 
Okay, we're fine. We're fine. Leclerc, Leclerc is in. Okay, is it the ninth? One out, bottom of the ninth. Okay, we're good. We're good. We can trade two more runs for two more outs. We're fine. Aaron Hicks. <laughs> Monterey Baldwin is the exact kind of speed profile uh, guy that they're trying to get that Joey McGuire, James Blanchard, Brian Nance, unfortunately recruited to Baylor until 2021. And kind of speed that you're looking for now, bringing in with all these receivers, DBs, linebackers that can absolutely move. So it's only a matter of time, I think, before you have your own version of Monterey Baldwin. He's really good. I think Rabbit took a kind of poor angle. Um, live, I thought he'd undercut it so well that like he was about to pick it off, but Chapin just got it over his head. And maybe with a different angle, he can break that up or maybe even intercept it. Worst case scenario, he should be able to tackle Baldwin with a better angle and not let them house that. But that was their only touchdown of the night. And um, it came exactly how pretty much the only way you can surrender to Baylor's giving up a big play because they were just not going to do it themselves in the red zone. So that was kind of disappointing, but we're nitpicking. You know, it's a 25-point win, and 90% of the night the defense was playing a football. So um, not going to gripe too much about that. 24-10, to 10, you just got punched in the mouth. And what does Texas Tech do, Kyle? Well, it was 24-11 because they went for two. It 24-11, sorry. And, and same deal. I was thinking, okay, a little bit of a momentum shift here. Baylor might be clawing back into it. You need to respond. And what do you do? Grown-ass man drive number three, which we'll recap after a word from uh, our friends over at Reno Barbecue. Reno Barbecue. Oh, you want me to go? Yeah, uh, sure. Reno, <laughs> Reno Barbecue. Uh, it is in Alton, Texas, 7th Street. Oh, my goodness. Sorry. At the wall. Evan Carter finally makes a play. We're good. Uh, you know what else makes plays? Rojino Barbecue. Uh, they are open seven days a week with the market. You can go in, get some sausage or whatever else you need, a, a chicken salad sandwich there at the market. Or you can go Wednesday through Saturday in the restaurant area, Tuesday through Saturday. And get you some Rojino barbecue, a black plate special. They've had chicken fried steaks. They did a, a peachy pig baked potato. They have done a lot of specials. It's not just $50 plates of barbecue. You can go and get you a deal. Uh, lots of our parlay picadors have been to Rojino lately. We're getting some great pictures. Uh, where else do they have great pictures? On Instagram. Uh, you can follow them, BBQ.com. Order online to make sure they have it for you when you get there. So it's 24 to 11. And again, the battered tech fan enemy is going, oh no. You know, like one of two things can happen here. We respond or like we go three and out and maybe the stadium gets some life. Baylor starts believing they score again. And then we're like, we're in the danger zone. After last week, you definitely think that. Yeah. Second half team. Yeah. Um, And even – I think that they – I guess it was an analytics deal to go for two there. Even with a field goal, still a two-touchdown game if they convert their two-point conversion. So I was like, hey, there's only one result here where we don't give them the ball back with it being a two-possession game, and that's if we score a touchdown. What do we do? Eight plays, 65 yards, four minutes, 19 seconds off the clock. Grown-ass man driving. I was like, okay, we're, we grew up a lot tonight. Like the game wasn't super in the balance. The outcome was never super in question. There's a few moments where 
you kind of got counterpunched a little bit. And instead of folding or collapsing or having some terrible sequence of events, you just like, okay, let's, let's roll. And you just kept scoring, stopping and never let them get closer than that 24 to 11 and then just put it away. So again, thought it was really, especially with a, a younger quarterback, less experienced than what we had. I'm like, okay, are we, are we ready for this moment? Can we do it? Can we stay disciplined with play calling and run the ball and everything? And we did. So I'm watching that live, I'm like, okay, we had three absolutely huge drives tonight that we had to have. And it was actually, going back to that complimentary football deal, it was the offense pulling away. You know, for so long as Tech fans were like, hey, if the defense can just hold on, like just you know, keep them under 40 or, you know, just get one stop in the second half and we can win this game. This was, you know, the defense played great and wound up not really surrendering a lot anyway but it was the offense that kept capitalizing to pull away and really put the game away. So I, I thought that was a, a welcome kind of change of pace for us. Yeah. You certainly could have won this game 20 to 17 or, or whatever a final could have been it, but your offense just didn't stop. And, and I love that it was Taj Brooks for 18 yards for the touchdown. And then Taj Brooks for the two point conversion, you went right back after him to get that certain lead back. Um, it was just a master class on that drive, in my opinion. I love that two-point call, by the way. Yeah. The the fake reverse action. It would have been beautiful in uh, Laramie. Yeah. By the way, on their two-point conversion, you did the exact same thing. You blitzed Rabbit, didn't get home, and they threw the same play. And I don't know why, because, again, you didn't blitz all night, and you didn't have to. You kept no. getting home with four guys. So, I, I don't know. That's um, call, I guess. And you even got a do-over because of the offsetting penalties. Yeah. Uh, if you count the if you count Laramie and that do-over, we're like zero for three defending. It's yeah. kind of concerning if we're in a tight game again down the stretch here. Uh, a moment that I thought was funny, where again I was like wondering if I was surrounded by people watching their first football game ever, was when they called those offsetting penalties, and the ref announced that we're going to replay the down. The entire stadium groaned. They're like, oh, was like, what did you think was going to happen there? Like, there's a five-yard penalty on the offense, five-yard penalty on the defense. Like, the play doesn't stand. Like, we're, we're lining up yeah. again and doing this all over. So I thought that was where I was like, do you all know the rules of the game? Uh, let's see. Let's get through the rest of this game real quick. Uh, a field goal from Baylor, which analytically, again, made no sense. I saw a tweet around this time of this field goal uh, that Dave Aranda had set back analytics 20 years because he went forward on fourth and five, like two drives earlier, didn't get it. But now he's kicking field goals with six minutes left. Uh, I think this was a surrender field goal. What do you think? Yeah. You asked me about this on Gaucho's after dark and I kind of hemmed and hawed and was like, well, you know, kind of a lose-lose situation. Damned if you do, damned if you don't, what are you supposed to do on fourth and goal from the sixteen? On the rewatch, though, I was just like, yeah, I mean, you're not going to win the game no matter what if you kick a field goal there. Right. You probably have a 1% chance to win the game if you if you go for it. And so it was like, are, are you going to get in the end zone from the 16th? Probably not. But there's just literally zero upside, absolutely zero to kick in the field goal there. You're, you're making a three-possession game, a three-possession game with like three and a half minutes left. And so on the rewatch, I was like, yeah, I feel like I have a better sense of it now and and Baylor's I, I, next drive, what do they do? 
they go for it on fourth down for their own 14. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, it just it doesn't make any sense to me. No. So you do score one more time because you take over the ball there. Uh, and that was a Baron Morton touchdown run. A uh, little, little dangerous run there. You think? Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a lip reading expert, but he got back to the sideline, and it wasn't any coaches that I recognized. These are either like lower level staffers or maybe medical guys talking to him, and he's kind of, you know, warming up his shoulder, you know, doing that motion, and I can make out part of what he says. He was like, "I know, I know, I know." He goes, "I'm all right. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm good." So I don't think he like reaggravated on that play, but I think they were kind of like, "Hey, you're not supposed to be running the ball," you know. And he was saying like, "No, yeah, it's, it's fine. I, I'm okay." Um, it makes me a little nervous anytime I see him run or get sacked, which I think he was only sacked once all night, which is another, you know, big deal. Uh, although we didn't throw down the field very often, like we got the ball out so fast. Um, I think it really speaks more to that than anything. But yeah, he didn't look like he was hurt or anything. I think they were just kind of like you and me and every other tech fan. Like as soon as he took off, you're like, oh no, no, no. And yeah. thankfully, I think he was mostly untouched on that play. But um yeah, it makes me a little a little nervous, but it was a good run by him. So kudos. Uh speaking of throwing the ball, Miles Price, 13 targets, 10 receptions, 90 yards. Uh Baylor Cup, two targets, two catches, two touchdowns. Coy Aiken, two catches, 20 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Dre McCray, Xavier White, Taj Brooks, and Duran Bradley all with one catch. Did you see the Medium post? Are you familiar with Medium? Yeah. The Medium post on Taj Bradley being wasted because the style of offense we run? Uh, Jerron Bradley? What did I say? Taj Bradley. Yes, I was reading Taj Brooks' okay. uh, box score there. I haven't um, seen that. Um, I'll have to it to you. It's one of the dumbest articles I've ever read. I mean, I think his production has undoubtedly fallen off, and I think we could target him more. But again, when you're when you're running an offense now where running back one has 25 carries a game for 100 plus yards, it's like that. That just means like fewer kind of looks for every receiver. Uh, besides Miles Price, apparently, like yeah, and most of his targets we we threw one kind of bomb to him downfield that it, it was a good. Good throw, I think, uh, but just well defended by Baylor. And there was one – this is a beautiful throw by Morton. 20 yards down the field, but one hash to the opposite sideline. And the timing was such that, like, the corner was all turned around. If, it, if it's a split second later, the corner picks it off. If it's earlier, Price play doesn't have his head around. He's not open. Uh, that was a beautiful – I need to, like, clip that video if I can find it again. But besides that, everything was five yards or less for Miles Price. And it was, you know, I think this is an overused phrase when you're talking about the short pass game, but a compliment or an extension to the run game. That's what it was on on passing downs. You know, it was third and five or something, and we didn't want to run it. We just threw to the sideline with Miles Price, and it usually worked. Like his his yards per catch don't wow you at all, but I, I don't think it's designed to. Like he's catching the ball at or near the line of scrimmage on all of those and just getting what we need with it. So, um, yeah, like very, very few targets to go around for everybody else. You know, Cup made the most of his two targets. I don't think I don't think anybody was targeted more than two or three times besides Price. Nope. Yeah, well, I guess four for for uh, Aiken, but he had two catches. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, I think that's what I meant. And then three for John Bradley, but he only caught the one. Yeah. And I faded Dram Bradley last year, uh, last week, on uh, on some props, player props. So he seems to be a good fade right now. Now he'll have a hundred yard game eventually. It's just what he does. Um, but he's a far cry from, let's say, that Oklahoma game last year where he just went off, um, and everyone thought he would be the next great Texas Tech wide receiver. He still can be. I'm not writing him off. Uh, but right now he is off somehow, uh, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, all right. More thoughts on the game specifically before we uh, move on? Yeah, a couple of thoughts. Austin McNamara, I think, punted three times. Uh, not from terribly, you know, deep in Baylor territory or anything. I think he pinned them at the six, the seven, and the 11. All three inside the 20, yeah. So he is still really freaking good. I don't know what, how much was the average. Forty-eight. Yeah, that's that'll do. Forty-eight inside the eleven on all three is that'll work. Um, there go my dogs. They're saying hello to our listeners. Um, I think I recorded all of Taj's touches, which was a bunch of carries and one catch. Here's how many yards he got on all of them in order, unless I missed one. Five, eighteen, two. Four yard catch, 16, 5, 0, 1, 5, 24, 3, 3, 6, 1 that he fumbled, 0, 2, 3, 5, 1, 8, 8, 1, 2, 8, 11, 2, 18, 0, 2, minus 1, and 5 pretty good it's like nothing there is sexy the, the 24 yarder is kind of sexy but besides that for his longest run to be like 16 or 18 yards but to just do this all three five eight yards at a time i i i use this analogy all the time because this was born after the wyoming game but the the body blows article that i write on patreon it was all about hey even if you're not breaking 50 yard runs you have to throw those punches throughout the game to set up everything else to win time of possession. Like let Taj go for three yards, two yards, five yards. That that's fine. You know, that's good football. And you had no knockout punches this game. Like your longest pass was, I don't know, 20 something yards. His longest carry was 20 something yards. You won this fight because you knew you were the better boxer and you took it 15 rounds and you won by unanimous decision by just throwing body blow after body blow and playing good defense. Like you didn't need to wow anybody. You didn't need your quarterback to throw 50 passes. You didn't need to score in two or three plays in, you know, a 45 second drive. You didn't need to chunk it 60 yards down the field. All you had to do was hand off the toss for three, six, one, zero, two, three, five, one, eight, eight. Like that's all. That's what we thought was a winning recipe. And this was like the, maximum version of it like taking it to its extreme end and i just freaking loved it because they had no answer for it you're just wearing them down yeah you know it's gonna work they know it's gonna work that's the demoralizing part they're like shit we're gonna line up again even when we think we have them stuffed he gets two three yards we have him stuffed he gets 11 yards 
they didn't have a negative run play until there was four minutes left in the game when the outcome wasn't in question at all. And that was minus one yard. Yeah. Like they're not shooting gaps. They're not bringing, they're not blowing anybody up, nothing. And you're just little jab to the ribs, to the waist over and over and over and over again. And then the last bell rings and like you win every single round, 10 to nine, 10 to nine, 10 to nine, unanimous decision. And everybody goes, Oh, that's boring boxing. You're like Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather never knocks anybody out. He just plays good defense. You can't touch him. And he just jabs you the whole time. And it's like, I don't care. It doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be 50 to 3 for me. I don't need video game numbers from the quarterback. I'll take 31 carries for 150 yards from the running back or 170 yards, whatever you wound up with. So that body blows analogy of just like borderline prophetic now in hindsight, but I freaking loved that. Um you started three for nine on third down. That's bad. Then you converted your next six, and that directly correlated to you converting those drives, the grown-ass man drives when you pulled away, put the game away. Um, here's my last thought on the game itself before we get to the mailbag. I don't think Baylor did a ton to take their foot off the gas last year when they beat you by 28. I don't think that they like ran up the score either, but they didn't do a lot to – take their foot off the gas. When Miles Price had that punt return that with the penalty you got inside the 10, I was like, go score on these jokers. Like, yeah. run this thing up. Like, oh, it's disrespectful. I don't care. Run don't it up. Care. But on the rewatch, there is something actually even more insulting about lining up in the victory formation on first and goal. I was like, you know what? That's actually even sweeter. So <laughs> – I'm fine with that too. With two, with full two minutes left. Yeah, yeah. But at the end, I was like, "Come on, like run it four times." Everybody in the stadium and everybody watching on TV knows if you run it four times, you're gonna get six more points. Everybody knows it. Yeah. So I was like, uh, you know, kind of wanted to run up the score on Baylor. I don't care about the sportsmanship stuff. But on the rewatch, I was like, man, how embarrassing for Baylor. It's like I mean, we were like taking pity on you, showing mercy because it was getting so bad. And everybody on their sideline knows we could have had six more points if we wanted it. And instead, we line up in the victory formation inside their own 10-yard line. So they kind of cooled me off a little bit on the rewatch. I was like, okay, yeah, that's a, that's a fine way to end it, going victory at the Baylor nine-yard line. Ready for the mailbag? I am. Let's do it. You've got mail. Mail time. I found these in my mailbag. Well, it's time to reach into the old mailbag here. Enjoy reading the fan mail. Don't read it all at once. Any mail for me? You don't have a tic tac, do you? Do I get any mail? No. Why not, honey? Start bench cut these fast late moments. A pick six, a fumble recovery, scoop and score, or getting to be the fridge on a one-yard touchdown dive. I'm starting pick six because it requires some hand-eye coordination that is always impressive from the big man. Yep, especially if it's a tip drill where you kind of get your, your tip up and then catch it and run. I'll bench scoop and score. I love the amount of selfishness required because anytime a big man has the ball, there's a DB trailing who's like, hey, lateral it or hand it off. 
when yeah. the big man just keeps it and scores himself, I love that. And I, I like the refrigerator Perry move, or better known as the Jalen Hutchings. Yeah, um, I like that too. But I'll, I'll, it's a, it's a tough cut. I would cut that one as well, uh, unless it's a pass. Yes, I would agreed. add. I would I would add in the process. I would process scoop and score, and bench the the post. I love that about the Jalen Hutchings sequence last year. If you recall, they tried to throw it to him. Yeah, and it was it was a little low. It was a tough. Tough Look, grab bro. for the big man, but yeah. they were so committed to getting him a touchdown. They're like, okay, he didn't catch it. Let's just hand it to him. <laughs> we score on the next play. Uh, who will beat UCF worse, Kansas football or Kansas basketball? Man, That's I don't a, know. It's a pretty good beating the football team gave him. Yeah, football set the bar pretty high, but uh, but UCF is like pretty distant 14th out of 14 in basketball this year. So, yeah, I I don't know. It'll be close. We'll just say basketball just for fun. Uh, Was Steve Linton due for this game? Due theory. We laughed at him. Somebody asked last week, will Steve Linton get more than three and a half sacks the rest of the year? We both go, ha ha. Under. We'll see because he hadn't done it yet. He got three last night. Again, with like no help. Yeah. Uh, we weren't blitzing anybody on one of his strip sacks. Miles Cole on the other side is getting held. It wasn't called. And we still got to the quarterback. Like we're bringing four. They've got five plus a running back. If he stays in to protect, they're holding one of our four and Steve Linton still gets a strip sack. So I would have loved to see that a little bit earlier in the season, but I think our under on the three and a half is kind of in danger and I'm glad it is. Yeah. And uh, we should have memed that on Michael Jordan going, and I took that personal because he he played a really good game. He did. We'll have to clip us saying under three and a half and then put his sacks together in a kind of a reel. Yeah. Uh, was Steve Linton due for – oh, I just said that. Uh, <laughs> am I due for a throw-up? Yes. Will Taj be a top five running back all time at Texas Tech? Somebody said something the other day uh, – you know, he's having an all-time performance. You know, Tech has a lot of good running backs in their history. They, they used to do this running thing quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. like Bobby Cavazos, Donnie Anderson. Yeah. Before we even get to all the Spike Dykes guys. That, you know, yeah. we won two Doak Walker Awards in the 90s with yeah. um, Bam Morris and Byron Hanspard. So, I do think in the in the air raid era, he might be on a trajectory to be among guys like DeAndre Washington, Torian Henderson – his biggest knock, if this is his last season, his biggest knock that he won't have the career longevity and the career stats that guys like that had who started for two, three, maybe even four years like Torrey Henderson. But this season, you know, we kind of blew it in the Oregon game. He probably could have run for 120 in that one if we let him. But um, if he averages 100 yards per carry, or 100 yards per carry, I would love that, 100 yards per game in a 12, 13-game schedule, you know, he'll he'll be up there in terms of scrimmage yards, all purpose yards, and have a really good season under his belt. So Ricky Williams, I believe, on the radio show after said Ricky Williams didn't say it. They said it about Ricky Williams. Texas Tech's Ricky Williams, by the way. I think it's six games in a row with a hundred yards rushing. So that's what Taj is striving for now. He's got four in a row. Uh five, six would be Kansas State BYU. Uh, what can't Taj do? 
So he can block. Um, we had the the reel on our Instagram last week of him blowing up Nelson Caesar and Pass Pro. We ran a jet sweep to Dre McRae, where I I swear he moved this other grown man about fifteen or twenty feet out of his way, Duh. flattened him. Yeah. So he can block. We don't throw to him a lot, but when we do, I think he catches it. No. And uh, he can run for 100 yards on anybody when we hand him the ball enough. No. Uh, does playing bully ball suit the brand? This is the offense we were promised, yes? I think so. In the, in the, in the initial press conference? This is the offense we were promised, and, and it feels so good to, to have it rocking. Do you think bully ball suits the brand? Yeah. The hardest working, most competitive, toughest. I think I said that backwards. That's what I envision more than tempo and throwing it to the sideline. When I hear about a tough football team, you might be a good football team. You might be able to outmatch a lot of people. But when I think tough football, I don't really think slinging it all over the yard. Will you rate the defense this game? A Baylor beat writer called us thoroughly average. What say the Gauchos? This Gaucho says there's a ton of cope. Um, a ton. So Baylor is a fan base that does not handle losing to Texas Tech well. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. But uh, what I didn't realize – is that you held them to 17 yards rushing because your roster is loaded with blue chip guys that only came here because of the Matador NIL collective. And Baylor, being a private school with wealthy donors, apparently is too broke to do that. But then I, I double-checked the roster, and actually your two starting interior defensive linemen uh, between them might have had another Power 5 offer besides Texas Tech. Maybe not. I'd, I'd have to look. And then your inside linebacker that led the team in tackles this game and all season is a redshirt freshman who is maybe still a walk-on. It was at least formerly a walk-on. So this idea that, oh, Tech's buying these players, how can we compete? It gives me whiplash from how they talk down on Texas Tech and Lubbock. and like, why would anybody go to school at Tech if they could go to Baylor? Why would anybody coach at Tech if they could coach at Baylor? Our stadium is nicer than yours. Our team, our program is so much better than yours. Oh, you beat us by 25 in our home stadium. Well, how could we possibly compete with Texas Tech because of the Matador Club? And even if they are right, uh, join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash gamblinggouchers. We give to the Matador Club every month, and uh, we'll keep beating Baylor with that money. So I guess they're screwed until they come up with an NIL collective. As far as the defensive rating, you had 17 yards rushing, Baylor. I mean, that's better than average. Yeah, and we kicked your offensive line's ass rushing four all night. Yeah. Like, look six, inward six, a little six. bit. Yeah, six sacks. So. And at least four of those, I think you were only bringing four. Yeah. You were never bringing like six or seven, giving them some really complicated blitz look. You just kicked their ass. And what were they on fourth down? I don't four know. Of, one, of, uh, one of five, one of six? They were three for – Nine, three for ten on third down at one point. I'd have to look at the box score again. I just team stats. Can I also use this? One this of, might be a good segue. One of six. One of six. That's thoroughly average. Yeah, worse than average. Yeah. Can, can we talk about the McGuire versus Aranda discourse now? 
Uh, do you want to finish the mailbag and then do it? Sure. All right. Uh, question for Kyle. On a scale of 1 to 10, what would you rate McLean? Um, like atmosphere? I think uh, like nuts and bolts. Plumbing, bathroom. It's a, it's a good stadium. I'd give it eight and a half. Eight. Uh, teach us how to hate Kansas State. I'm not sure I have it in me. I don't know that Kyle does either. We'll have to figure it out. Yeah, it's it's tough to hate on like the old Big 12 North schools. You know, like it's it's not an in-state rivalry. It's not a – I don't know. Like I don't dislike their coach. You know, their coach isn't off-putting to me. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll think on it. Uh, Zach says Bradford and Hutchings had three combined Power Five offers: Hutchings, Kansas State, Bradford, Arizona, and Purdue. Other well, they, they only committed back in 2017 and 2018 because they knew that in 2022 we'd yeah. have the Matador Club. Yep. Uh, seeing as how Kyle elegantly put together stats showing how more effective the offense was when running the ball, and Rob has coined, I would say, co-opted the running the damn ball phrase. Uh, do you guys get to claim even a small percentage of credit for Tech's recent improvement? No, but I uh, power Kyle. <laughs> I saw a a scoreboard pulling in the wiggle. There's an 18 wheeler next to us, so I couldn't get a picture. But just like a double T, a state of Texas, and it said it's all West Texas, like right there in Waco. So no, we won't get we won't get credit for uh, wh- whether we originated or co-opted and stole and then promoted. Because run the damn ball, you know that was a thing yeah. long before us. But yeah. uh, no, I don't, we, and we don't need credit. We just want to watch good football. That's all. By the way, Minnesota up one zero in the bottom of the first. Jose Altuve bunts a single. I was proud of the fight yesterday. You know what pissed me off? After we lost that game to the Astros, the freaking ESPN ticker said it was our 16th consecutive loss in the ALDS, and we haven't won an ALDS game since 2004. I was like, we just got past this <laughs> stupid factoid. Like, let me live for like a yeah. week before we start trotting this crap out here again. So yeah. just don't lose 3-0. Like, win a game in the ALDS so that that stat will go away. That is hilarious. <laughs> uh, how many carries for Taj is too many? The number does not exist. I think like 40, 20 per half is where you start to go, okay, he might be a little bit I want, I want him healthy late in the season too, but. Yeah. You know what? I did start saying to myself in the fourth quarter, hey, we're up 25. Let's let Cameron Valdez run a couple times here. Yeah. But but 30 week in and week out does not phase me. Uh, Kyle is a fan of some Minnesota teams, famous for snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. What is the most Minnesota moment that he recalls across any fandom? I don't know why they're ranking you. Relive this here. I don't think the Timberwolves or Twins in my lifetime have ever been on any stage that would qualify. Um, it, it's not one moment, but I've seen the Vikings lose three NFC championships in my time as a fan. And so that that always stings when you're on the doorstep of yeah a Super Bowl. That last one, especially with the uh, field goal. Yeah. Sorry. I'm, I'm used to it, man. Uh, final question in the mailbag. Are you starting to believe in Texas Tech football again? Uh, I did. That there was never any wavering on the 
the overall trajectory. I did start to worry on this season's trajectory. I'm back in on this season's trajectory, and I am more in than I've ever been on the overall trajectory, which leads us to Aranda versus Maguire, and that seems pretty clear-cut for me. It, it does for me, too, and this is where I might have to cut Baylor fans some slack. Uh, again, it was clear on Saturday that a lot of them were watching a football game for the first time in their lives. And so they, they do bring up the objective fact that Baylor won a Sugar Bowl and they won the Big 12. They won 12 games in 2021. They did that with a lot of juniors and seniors who were recruited there by Joey McGuire. Well, weren't they really recruited by head coach Matt Rule? No, Matt Rule arrived in Waco from uh, Philadelphia, where he coached at Temple. I think he's a New Jersey or a New York native. And he realized my greatest deficiency as a head coach at a Power 5 school in Texas is that I have no in-state network to recruit the talent that I need to win. And so one of the first hires he made was a guy named Joey McGuire, who was, you know, king of Texas high school football, uh, beloved by the Texas High School Coaches Association, all that. And they put together a heck of a roster that Rule won 11 games with and uh, later Dave Aranda won 12 games with. Since Joey McGuire has left that staff and brought James Blanchard, Brian Nance, and several position coaches with him, uh, the results really couldn't be more divergent, save the head-to-head matchup last year. I, I remind people of this all the time. Head-to-head is a tiebreaker. Last season, Baylor finished 6-7 and seven without a bowl win, and they finished below you in the Big 12 standings. Texas Tech finished 8-5 and five with a bowl win ahead of Baylor in the standings. So, yes, they did lose that game head-to-head, but it's not a tiebreaker scenario. Uh, this year is not over yet. Baylor's 2-4. and four. One of those two was against... FCS Long Island. The other was after completing a 28-point comeback school record in uh, Baylor football history. Seems like they're probably not going to finish that strong unless something drastic changes. Uh, I don't know if Tech will finish with a winning record or not, but I feel like we're somewhat likely now to make a bowl game. So the head-to-head is one-on-one. I think you're going to finish with a better season for the second time in a row out of two seasons. And you're certainly recruiting a lot better than Baylor since Joey left. Um, Some Baylor fans are in denial and some Baylor fans are tweeting like their Barstool account is asking if it's time for Aranda to go, which is hilarious a year and a half after winning 12 games like they did. So if this much, this great of a segment of your fan base is fed up enough with him to ask if he should be fired and our fan base is pretty confident that we've actually eclipsed your program in a mere season and a half on the heels of our worst decade in program history. Meanwhile, y'all were on the heels of your best decade in program history. What does that say about the state of both programs and the job each coach has done since they parted ways? So you can bring up the sugar bowl all you want. Like as soon as Aranda wins one of those and wins the big 12 and wins 12 games without Joey. Great. That's a fantastic card to play in this discussion. And, like, we'll see if Joey wins one with or without Aranda um, at Texas Tech. But, like, to this point, Joey has a winning record in conference play. He's 7-5 and five, uh, in the middle of year two. Dave Aranda's in the middle of year four and has a losing record in conference play. And he's on course right now for his third losing season overall in four years at the helm at Baylor. So I don't know how anybody can say with a straight face, besides one game last year, that Texas Tech is not in a better position and that they don't have the better head coach. 
Texas Tech is ranked first in the Big 12 in recruiting, 21st in the country, Baylor 11th in the Big 12. Jalen Petrie is not walking through that door. He's not. So, I and, and I, like, I honestly don't know. I'm trying to give Baylor fans the benefit of the doubt when they bring up the Sugar Bowl. I'm like, do you know that Joey McGuire was the associate head coach while that was going on, that he assembled the roster that won you that game? They might not. And if they don't, that's okay. They can learn about it and then maybe reassess their position or maybe not. But that's that's how I feel about it. I am extremely confident that uh, if Baylor could reverse course a few years, they would probably hire Joey instead. And I also know right now if, if you ask Kirby Hocutt or any Texas Tech fan or any Texas Tech player, hey, we're going to trade head coaches straight up with Baylor. They get Joey McGuire, we get Dave Aranda. They would all say no. Uh, to be fair, Kirby Hoka said no to Dave Aranda several times. You think so? Well, at least in 2018. I think Dave Aranda might have said no to our advances. Which I don't know. In 2018, it seemed like there was one candidate. If he did, we uh, we just lined up in the victory formation at his nine-yard line. So. True. All right. Any final thoughts? Yeah. One of, one of the most disappointing critiques that I've ever levied against this team was after the loss in Morgantown. When I said, okay, like you line up and you lose games. Sometimes it happens, but I didn't see any fight except Mike Dingle, a, a true freshman linebacker. And I, I left our listeners with the Norwegian proverb. Everybody wants to kill the bear. Nobody wants to hold the ax. A lot of guys on the tech sideline grabbing for the axe on Saturday. Um, one of the keys to the game, or it wasn't a key to the game. It was on Joey's hat, the piece of tape that he always writes on. B-Y-O-E, bring your own energy. Road game, this team has heard all about how they can't win on the road, how they suck on the road. And uh, they brought their own energy. There's a lot of guys flying around, fired up to be there to be playing football for 60 minutes and feeding off slowly but surely, just kind of like bleeding Baylor to death for 60 minutes. So I loved it. Like that was kind of a, a bit of a challenge in Morgantown. And I was unsure if this team was going to be able to respond like this. But a lot of guys not only wanted to kill the bear on Saturday, they wanted to hold the ax. And I'd love to see that fight from this team. I'm, I'm proud of them. It's beautiful. It, you called it, or at least you asked for it, and it happened. Um, it was a spirited effort. And it was it, it will go down as one of the – the best wins of the year, I think, especially because it's on the road. For sure. And after the game to see it too, the I don't know if this was a mantra, you know, all week leading up to the game, but the help the bear kind of slogan or motto. I love that. And if you didn't see that clip at the end of the game, Caleb Rogers in the locker room said, if you, if you come upon me in the woods and I'm fighting a bear, don't help me help the bear, help the which, bear. which is to say, if I'm fighting a bear, I don't need help. He does. And I love right any football. Rally. Yes. People people doubted that a Red Raider could beat a bear in a fight, and uh, we proved it wrong on Saturday. I love that mentality from any football team. Like, it's us versus them. We don't need help. They do. And we took it to them. And, look, this team, this program, did a lot of talking all offseason and backfired. And this time they went actions first, words later. And who knows, maybe internally they were using those mantras to kind of get focused, get fired up all week, and it came to fruition. Um, it also goes back to what Joey was saying 
against Houston before the game. He was like, I know you love me, but I don't want you to tell me. I want you to show me by how you play that that everybody in this locker room loves each other. And so I think maybe that's starting to click with them is like, yeah, help the bear and, you know, all this stuff, 60 minutes of us. But we can't just say that on social media like we've got to go prove it. And they have the last two weeks to their credit. So I hope to see a lot more of that. And I'm proud of them for holding the ax on Saturday. It reminds me of the song, uh, Actions Speak Louder Than Words, an old Christian uh, pop tune. Do you they that? do. Is that Reliant K? Who was that? I don't know. Actions speak louder than words. Anyways. Uh, all right. That's all I got. The New York, uh, not New York, San Francisco 49ers are absolutely driving on the Cowboys. So, All right. Let's go. Uh, let's go check it out. Our twins. Let's Our go. twins, baby. Let's go. Love y'all. <laughs> All right.